Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Marketing on Mars. Today, we've got two guests. They are the co-founders of Hey Auto. It is one of the uh, fastest growing auto marketplaces in Canada right now with over 2,000 dealerships and over 100,000 vehicles. Um, and these are the two guys that built it. So very excited to have you both on, Brent and Brett. Not to be confused, there are two different names. They sound exactly <laughs> the same. They're different. Um, that's, that's every day for us. For us. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's do like a quick round of intros. Um, maybe we'll start with you, Brent, first. Uh, sure. Give us a little background on uh, your story and maybe your, uh, you know, how you founded uh, uh, Hey Auto. Yeah. Start there. Yeah, I'll dive into it. Um, you know, lifetime entrepreneur, really. Um, you know, right from an early age, I was always interested in, you know, running my own thing, always looking for a new opportunity. Um, took me on a journey to take a degree in new venture feasibility and, you know, basically entrepreneurship at its core. Um, learning how to mm. decipher good ideas from bad ideas, um, get through that quickly. Uh, I started my first company uh, in the natural foods uh, product area, uh, grew that to a large commercial size, sold it, um, got into real estate, investment, development, learned a bunch of stuff in that uh, arena. And then I was diving into, um, really diving into my roots, go back to my roots of new venture feasibility, uh, built a product called the rapid feasibility model, uh, way of iterating through ideas and turning them into great things. Turned that into um, 10 years of software uh, build and development, multiple different applications, brought me on this journey. Um, and the whole time I've been, uh, you know, longtime friends of, of Brett Jones and watching his journey, um, which I'll let him speak to, but, uh, you know, watching his yeah. journey through entrepreneurship and supporting each other in that way and really saw value in um, creating that dynamic partnership. We both bring different things to the table and, uh, the rest is history, and so I'll let him dive in. Wow! So really, this this isn't your first rodeo. You've you've done you've done a lot of businesses before, and now Hey Auto is it, is it your third company now that you've started? Yeah, it's more like the fifth, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. We we, we won't we start, count the other two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We we started, we started <laughs> exactly. That's where you learn your lessons, right? It's good to learn your lessons. Um, no, we started Vivid Theory together, which is the studio company that owns Hey Auto. Um, and that was the culmination of uh, the results of a few of our um, you know, early stage ideas that we put through the rapid feasibility model. And Hey Auto stood out as the clear winner. He's gone. Cool. We've got to get a chair. That and he's gone. Quit. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because so, uh, he, yeah, he knows what's coming up after after the intro. Uh, he knows it's coming. So he, he's, saw, he saw the hot sauce. He ran out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brett, your background. Yeah, you're, you've background also, obviously, you're the co-founder. So, yeah, yeah. So, quick background on me. I, uh, I uh, have, I come from an automotive background. I also uh, been a studio drummer for 12 years. Toured all over. Played with some of the biggest names in music, and um, have a huge mm. passion for that. But uh, as far as working with great teams and building great product, I have a lot of experience there. Um, so mm. I focus on business development for both Vivid Theory, our umbrella company, and Hey Auto specifically. So my role is uh, related to integrated partnerships and really scaling this brand uh, and uh, working with our sales and marketing team to 
um, develop the new technologies that we're working on in the automotive tech space. So Brent and I have been friends for a long time. We decided to partner up uh, about four or five years ago and really take this thing to the next level with both Vivid wow. Theory and specifically our product in Hey Auto right now. So exciting times for us and uh, ready to drink a bunch of hot sauce with you, Simon. <laughs> Thanks a lot for this idea. <laughs> we, well, let's before we dive into everything, like you mentioned, there yeah. is a tradition on the on the show. We're going to start it off with a shot of hot sauce. And right. we're gonna, I'm going to be asking you guys tough questions throughout the show just to figure out how Hey Auto grew to over 2,000 dealers. Um, we're going to get into all that. And whenever you can't answer a question, we'll just take another shot of hot sauce. I that wish is- I didn't pour myself such a full one. <laughs> that is a fat one. All right. So I got, I got four hot sauces in front of me. I think I'm going to go with a relatively lighter one today with a habanero. Okay. Um, as you guys know, I, I, I told you guys before the show started, I had, uh, two podcast episodes yesterday, uh, awesome. and I had this Carolina Reaper from seattle that so you're doing this you're doing this episode from the bathroom then (laughs) yeah i'm not going to show you what's underneath but uh yeah yeah, yeah. waste up bud waste up (laughs) all right let's let's do this so i'm going to shake this make sure i i got the full thing is this like this is a this is an ounce of hot sauce if i if i puke and this goes viral we're looking for a kickback (laughs) cheers cheers Still spicy. Whoa. Yeah. I got to fill mine up because I'm sure there's going to be hard questions here that I don't have the answer to. (laughs) I'm the hot sauce person. He's not. Uh, Is there anything with like a mango or something? What the heck, bro? Oh, man. Okay. Let's dive into it. First, what is Hey Auto? Um, I'll let one of you guys answer that question. Yeah, I'll dive in. Um, at its core, uh, at the highest level, Hey Auto is an automotive marketplace with a two-sided SaaS platform. So we have a, a retail SaaS model where consumers can come in, load their vehicle, track everything in relation to their ownership of that vehicle, and stay in engagement with the dealership that they bought it from or a dealership that they would like to work with. Um, on the other mm-hmm. side of the SaaS platform, we have what we call our dealer portal, which is a set of integrated tools where they can stay in touch with their customer, but also provide ongoing marketing benefits to those customers in the form of reviews, planting trees here in Canada, or a number of other opportunities. So what is the, what is the closest competitor that we all know of and that we can kind of, would it kind of be like a Craigslist or, n- or not really? Yeah, like when you think about a, an automotive marketplace, like we built ours a little bit differently. Um, our our focus was creating more of a modern approach to an automotive marketplace. Um, if you wanted to compare it, something like Kijiji Autos potentially, uh, okay. we really try to make ours more of like the Instagram feel though, more appealing to the mobile customer. Um, and it's meant to be more of an ongoing engagement versus just a, sh- a pure shopping experience. So it's there to provide the customer with the, the ability to track the value of their vehicle over time, you know, re-engage with customers, look at uh, re-engage as a customer with their dealer in market. So, yeah, we, we right. from that standpoint, there really isn't something like Glovebox currently on the market. Uh, it is kind of a unique offering. If you wanted to compare it to another industry, I would compare it closely to 
listing your place on Airbnb, for example, except you're not actually renting your vehicle. Um, it's just a place mm -hmm. where your digi the digital representation of your vehicle and your ownership experience can live, and you can associate anything about that ownership experience to that glove box. I see. So, so if I'm using Hey Auto and yeah. I want to buy a, a vehicle after Lamborghini. I buy the yes obviously hot it's gonna be a Lamborghini. Hot Lamborghini. i like it it's I good like the it. hottest one the hottest We're car the and uh, and let's say i want to buy a lamborghini and i buy it after i, I finish buying it all of my chat history with the dealer is there so that in the future if i ever wanted to sell a car i might want to sell it back to the same dealership like that is that the kind of idea well, that you go, guys are look, going for yeah let's go back for a second i mean traditionally when you're when you're buying a vehicle what happens you do a bunch of research online you you know you go on marketplace you go on dealership websites you're like i like this do comp some comparative analysis a lot of research on your own and then you connect with the dealership right you connect with the dealership you come in we're focused on building loyalty a reputation and and uh, consumer engagement long term for both our dealers and our consumers to have a more transparent um, uh, connection so right. traditionally you'd buy your vehicle you'd go in you'd do the deal and then you leave the dealership they see taillights and uh from that point on it's your I'll put on a drip campaign email you know come back and get your oil change you might get an internal bdc department call you and and give you some different offering we want to build the utility we've built the utility to allow the consumer to um, connect with the dealership and then actually have that vehicle put into their what we call our glove box which is where their vehicle lives. The dealer can chat with them. They can give maintenance suggestions. The consumers can mm -hmm. go in and get downstream automotive um, uh, vendor uh, parts, accessories, uh, things that matter to them. So taking the, the buying experience of buying a vehicle and making it more transparent and more valuable long-term for both the dealer and the consumer. Okay, cool. Okay, that, that's, that, that gives me a very good understanding uh, yeah, of what Hey Auto is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in term, give us some stats. So I know 2000 dealer uh, dealerships are um, are now using Hey Auto because I've seen it. Uh, it's it's all, all, all over your guys' LinkedIn. Give us some other stats. Do, have you guys raised some money? Um, how many consumers on the consumer side? How many people are using the platform? Do you have any stats that you can share to give us a sense? Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting the finger, the finger point at me. I'm so not saying I, shit. <laughs> I must be the stats guy. We better fill this hot sauce bottle up again. Um, yeah, so I mean, from a from a consumer standpoint, I can say this: uh, our go to market for the fully launched product was in August. Um, so we're very excited okay. about that. We've been pushing a, a modest marketing campaign since then, um, while we've been you know working through early stage launch, and. Our target has is up 800% over the last two. Our target retail audience is up 800% over the last two months. Um, so I can say that for sure. Um, we are mm. you know, pushing thousands of unique visits uh, to the platform every day. And we're seeing a lot of authenticated users coming through the platform uh, that are loving the experience and are loving the ability to you know have this digital place to store your vehicle or store your information related to your vehicle. I mean. I think from my own ownership experience, originally I didn't have any, I didn't have a background in automotive before I created this product uh, with Brett and our team. And I want to, you know, I also want to shout out our team. I mean, too often the founders get the credit for what we do, but I mean, we couldn't do any of it without the team. Um, and yeah. that's a building a team is, is a huge part of the software business. Um, we're the really, hardest part. Yeah. And we really believe in that. So, um, 
getting back to it through my automotive personal journey, you know, there's lots of times like, you know, you get a, you get a warranty from your dealership. Well, where does that live? Do I, you know, is it in my, is it in my actual glove box somewhere? I don't know. Like, it, you know, is it, we would have been great to have that so I could call for it on reference. You know, if you get a repair done on your vehicle, okay, you get a receipt that's, that's sitting somewhere. Well, you know, you take a picture of it on your phone in the modern world, but how do I call for that when I need it, when I'm going to sell that vehicle? I want to show somebody that I've, you know, got new winter tires recently. I want to have that stored against my vehicle. So that this reporting and this like storage of everything related, whether it be your digital driver's license or the receipt for the most recent purchase you made on your vehicle, there's a lot of value in creating that um, SaaS model for our retail customers. And it's a free service for them to use. So um, it's yeah. a great way for consumers to start to engage and create more meaningful relationships with their dealer partners. Cool. Um, Brett, you, you might want to scooch yes. in a little bit in the camera so we can get you, but, uh, a couple, yeah, couple of big, a <laughs> couple of big guys trying to share. A yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in, so I, I, I think I missed that number. So it's about 10, over 10,000 users. You think thousands of users? Yeah. We have thousands of, users, thousands of users, thousands of users a day. <laughs> hot, hot, sauce. hot sauce? Is it, is yeah, it yeah, hot yeah. sauce time? <laughs> all right, let's do a hot sauce. Okay, all right. Oh, oh we beat you to it. Oh, Oi. This this might this might be my last episode, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do another one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Pizza subs next um, time. <laughs> okay, so um okay, so and and uh, I heard you guys also raised a little bit of money. Um when was when was it and how much did you guys raise? We've had uh three separate fundraising rounds. Um you know, right from our early earliest friends and family round. Um, and then most recently we kind of had our, another, um, add on round, uh, that we closed in the early part of 2022. Right. And so what, what's the total amount that, total that amount? you guys have raised so far? Five yeah. Million. Yeah. It's a, it's approximately 5 million total. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you guys are definitely avoiding the hot sauce there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, it's, it's what public. I'm trying to do. It's yeah, all it's all about everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, building something as big as Hey Auto is, uh, you know, it takes a lot of upfront capital, um, and that's something where again for our sure. investors and the belief in in you know building something transformational for a legacy kind of industry like automotive tech is uh, something that that takes that level of investment and and their dedication to the ongoing you know belief in what this is going to be and what it is already is uh, something we're we're very proud of and. And yeah. investors are super important to us, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into the meat of everything. Marketing on Mars. We're going to talk about marketing. Marketing. Right? Let's go. So I see two sides to this. And maybe you guys can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong at any point. There's a dealership side. Right? You got to get the cars. Um, and then you also have the consumer side. You got two sides here. Two-sided marketplace. Let's talk about the dealership side first. How did you guys acquire 2000 dealerships? What was the strategy there? And, you know, just, just let's go through the, the like the main tips, the main, you know, how maybe two or three main are. tips. Yeah. It's really, really, really hard, Simon. It's very, very yeah. difficult. First thing you have to do before you get the dealerships to say yes, 
you have to go out and get the integrated IT pro uh, providers that want to feed you that dealership's data and have permission to do so. And there's hundreds mm -hmm. of those, right? So the first thing you want to do is you want to go to those relationships and say, hey, we're going to be contacting this dealer. Mm -hmm. If they approve to send us the data feed of the inventory to put on our platform, is that okay with you? What contracts do we need to get in place? So that was mm -hmm. A1. While we were building the just the marketplace side of our business, um, that was my role was working with our team to go out and uh, put those relationships and put those IT contracts in place. So that was A1. Once we had that, it was clanging and banging the phones. The problem is um, there's only a, a, you know, a small number of people at a dealership that can give you the permissions to actually get that data feed and actually uh, approve that. So um, mm. it, was, it was first getting the list of all the dealers in Canada, both independent and franchise dealers, um, building that into our, our own custom built CRM and then um, and then making those phone calls and getting that pitch across the table of why we're different and why you'd want to participate on our platform long term. Yeah. Um, timing wise for us, um, and this is important because it's 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 you know it's a barrier to entry. We were going to market with this um, part of our uh, offering, which was uh, accessing these dealers and accessing this inventory, was right when COVID hit. So. Um, it was a unique opportunity for us because, you know, every, all the business closed dealers were still considered, um, essential. So they were open, but their business model was changing. People weren't coming into the dealership. They were having to adjust their business model. So getting the decision maker mm. on the phone that potentially wanted to participate in a different, uh, style of digital offering in the automotive tech space was a little bit easier at that point. And that was a very small window. So we uh, doubled mm. down on our team, on our marketing team, on our build of our video, on our assets and our sales team. And we said, we have to go really hard right now because we don't know how long this COVID window is going to last. And when it's back to business as usual, you're not going to get these decision makers on the phone as easy. So that's how we did it. Um, it was an incredible amount of work. And again, kudos to the team that uh, we just pounded really, really hard and we, yeah. uh, and we got yeah. through. So that was a, and that was a huge, uh, way that we were able to then go to the next phase of our build and our business. So that was it. What's the largest <clears throat> franchise group? Like how many dealerships do they own? Auto, assume, auto, like one franchise. Yeah. yeah auto Sorry? Canada. We have, we have, um, the majority of the largest, uh, uh, automotive groups on our platform, auto Canada, Delari, uh, these folks. So, um, yeah, there's. Okay. There's quite a, a spread. There's about 3,200 franchise dealers in Canada, and we have a large a portion of them outside of Quebec. Wow, amazing. And was it hard acquiring the first, say, usually the first 10 customers, even the first five are the hardest, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to the B2B world, because you're selling to yeah. other businesses, sales cycles are long. Was it really difficult getting that first 10 or what five or 10? Of course, <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like, who? No, you? it wasn't. Yeah. So it was easy. Them, we called them and they're like, we've never heard of you. This is awesome. Let's do it. No, of course not. <laughs> we had to go. That's like the hardest pitch. I remember when we hit like five thousand pieces of inventory. I was so I'm just pigeon chesting. I'm like, we got five thousand cars. This is so huge. When we're really just a, a drop in the bucket. So. That was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very difficult and it was really nice because we had some early adopters that really believe in what we're doing. I mean, what we're building is has really never been done before in automotive tech. And and now that we connect with some of the large IT providers and people that are, are wanting to partner up with us in, in our offering, they see that and it validates 
you know, our vision and what we wanted to accomplish, but it was a tremendous amount of work. And yes, those first 10 were very difficult. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hard conversation. What, what was needed? Um, let's say I want to, I want to operate in this similar market, maybe not exactly as what you guys are doing, but I want to reach out to, <laughs> no, I want to reach out to other dealerships. What is required to sell to them? Are they more think, visual? Like you, you got to prepare a lot of different visuals and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, like I think from a purely marketing standpoint, you got to be obviously well prepared. Um, you know, one of the, I think some of the mistakes that potentially tech founders um, make early on is just like the overkill. Um, you had a very mm -hmm. small window to talk to people. Um, our product's unique because we're selling a really high tech product to maybe not as technical a user. So like making, like simplifying the offering in a way that is digestible um, is always a challenge. And that's something that, um, that marketing really plays a factor in. Um, doing yeah. that right is, is a challenge, right? Doing it in a way where it's like, hey, all you gotta do is watch this 30 second video, trying to book uh, busy dealer managers on like a demo call for 30 mm -hmm. minutes or an hour would have been, would have been death for the yeah. business, right? Like they're like, we got, yeah. give me, Give it, give it to me in 30 seconds. Let me see if I even care. And then let's take a five minute call. And if it's, if it's worth further discussion, then let's sit down and actually talk. Um, so I think from a marketing standpoint, the, the approach um, when you're dealing with very busy, non potentially non or less technical users of the products, you really just have to be like, just set the hook. This right? is what you care this, about. This is the only thing you care about right now. It does a bunch of things. It does 30 or 40 different things that you probably will see value in eventually. But what can I just mm. get you to say yes to right out of the bat? Like what what matters mm. to you right now and what can we do really well for you right up right away? So that's it. I guess that's an important lesson. Uh, if you know, new founders are looking for a way to like really approach their customer, just pick one thing. I know you're passionate about what you're doing and you wouldn't be there unless you were. But if it's mm. got to just, you know, you got to look at it from the lens of the of your, you know, market and say, what's going to, what's going to hit them. They don't know me at all. And they don't know how hard we've been working. Um, so why would they care right now? I've got to give them something digestible. Mm. 30 seconds. Interesting. In and out. That's good. That's, in that's and a out, good one. Son. That's a good one. Good get yeah. in and yeah. get the hell out of there. <laughs> so that's the dealer. So that's a dealership yeah. dealership yeah. side. It's a lot of, a lot of branding sales calls. Right. And, did you guys have to go and meet them in person as well? Like the, the, the decision makers or, or early just ones, mostly actually, just phone calls? It was really funny, a little anecdotal story. Uh, <laughs> Brent, actually, before we did anything, Brent sent me out with a, a piece of paper of what we were planning on doing. And I had to go hit as many dealers as I could. And I had to try and get into the GM's office with this offering um and 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 pitch them with no appointment or no phone call or anything just walking completely blind we ended up getting into 15 dealers 15 offices and we got 13 yeses and that was in the first day that's Whoa. That, goes back, that goes back to our whole feasibility of like do we have something will we have if we do this would you right mm -hmm. and we got those yeses and that was very very early stages that was before build or anything but um, yeah, in the first few meetings we did, but most of this was done, uh, again, accessing the right person. If you couldn't get the decision maker on the phone, uh, to do a really soft, you know, 30 second pitch, 
don't waste the phone call, get on with a sales guy and get show him so that he can be a advocate for what you're offering uh, after the call. So like different avenues, uh, we went through every angle from salespeople to receptionists to you're pitching somebody. If you're not pitching somebody, then it's a wasted phone call. So at least at least plant that seed. And then again, built the really uh, valuable uh, marketing uh, assets to go along with that, pop it in their inbox and let them come back to you. So it sounds like Brent, you're more of the product guy yeah. and Brett, you're the sales like that? guy. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what I'm getting? Is yeah, that yeah, what I'm yeah, getting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that pretty sales guy over here or what? <laughs> yeah, I, do, I do product and yeah, solution and, uh, and, you know, a lot of the kind of corporate governance work, right, as CEO here. Super important though, right? You don't want to have two sales guys, then who's going to build the product? Right? You got two no, product guys, who's going to do the, who's going to do the sales? Right. Oh, you so this is a good, oh, you a good marriage. Five each other, yeah. Right? You don't need two guys bro chest bumping about a sale during the day. You need one guy to be like, Hey, you go handle that and I'll make sure the company's ready. I'm the bro chest. Yeah, bumping. No. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And then, okay. So that's the dealership side. We dove into that quite yep. a bit. Now you got the consumer side. I assume that is a little bit harder. What, what was the go-to market strategy for, the, the consumer on the consumer side of things. It's a, it's a trade secret. Do you yeah. want to tell them? I don't know. No, of course. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's, it's actually a, <laughs> we have a really complex, uh, you know, marketing system. A lot of, a lot of energy goes into our, uh, internal marketing team. You know, when we talk about our go to market product, when Brett's saying we work on channel partner deals, um, our sales team works on direct dealer, uh, relationship sales and our marketing team's focus is retail customers into platform. Um, so, yeah. you know, we have 12 different verticals within a marketing plan that we, uh, attack, um, you know, everything from PR to, you know, outbound reach to social media marketing. So everything needs its own pro product plan. And, and within each one of those verticals, there is, there are unique strategies for approaching each of, for example, social media, there's a unique strategy for each one of those, you know, high velocity, um, social media channels out there. So it's a, it's a complicated beast running a marketing program with a small team. So do you guys do a lot of, uh, are most of your PR uh, paid or unpaid at, the, at this point? Yeah, like we have a, we have a paid PR program. Um, we've, we've focused in previous years uh, with unpaid, um, you know, but one of the things that, again, like, a, a, you know, if you want to know marketing secret, a trade secret, one of the things that, you really need to do is set a baseline of um, high authority score news um, for what your product does. Uh, it's mm -hmm. going to teach the search algorithms out there on the web who you are as a product. It's not enough to just say, we do this, we have a great landing page. You also have to teach the, um, the web as a whole um, what your product focuses on. And the best way to do that is with high authority news and PR sites. Yeah. And so you try to get on more, uh, you know, auto specific sites, right? High authority. So SEO is a huge focus for you guys, SEO and PR. SEO. Yeah. We, we have a, um, you know, if you dive into SEO, that's another interesting one. Um, large platform SEO is kind of a, a black box. Um, you know, understandably Google's never going to give out the, the trade secrets to like how to rank for large platform SEO. Um, yeah. building a building, let's say building a small site, um, a marketing site with 30 pages, for example, like you can make, uh, 
feedback uh, tweaks on the fly and, and see real time feedback of like how you're ranking and how that how the impact of a story or new content you're creating is, is affecting your page rankings with large platform SEO. Like when you have, in our case, hundreds of thousands of pages being indexed by Google, um, yeah. it is a completely separate thing. It's a completely different me methodology. You, there are very yeah. few people uh, in the marketing world that understand it um, and yeah. even less in, in marketing SEO. So something we have an expertise in now um, as a you know, marketplace experts um, it's, but there are like literally a, a, probably a hundred unique things that you would need to know that are different. That you have than, to do. Yeah. Yeah. That are different than small platform SEO. So, um, you know, things you don't have to factor in when you're a small platform is crawl budget. Like, you know, Google only gives so much crawl budget um, until you have, you know, traffic to match what the size of your platform. Um, so absolutely you know, indexing large platforms can be a challenge. This don't want to go well, too far. Is there, me, is, just, just is there like a, is there like a X? Uh, Cause obviously when you have over like hundreds of thousands of cars, um, that probably exceeds your cr crawl budget, right? Like, is there like a X number? Like after you pass um, X number of pages, then it's like, uh, we're not going to crawl anymore. What's the rule no, for, again, for crawl it's, budgets? It's a, it's a black box. Like it really depends. It's a ratio uh, that they set depending on how much site traffic you're getting to the amount yeah. of URLs. But some platforms, if they don't understand it, could run into traps where they're they're just running away with indexing. Like technically, we yeah. could index millions of URLs. Um, yeah. But Google yeah. would get around to crawling that every you know nine months. So if you make a change to the platform, they're not going to see that page for like a year. Right. So yeah. how are you supposed to, how are you supposed to impact SEO if you don't have the crawl budget to match? So one suggestion I would give to anybody building a marketplace is like, don't, don't, yeah, no. don't do it. Don't do it. No, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, but like leak it out, like leak out your indexing slow, right? Yeah. Make sure that you're, yeah. make sure that Google sees you for who you are. And, and as an example, and that you're, you know, using maximizing crawl budget for the pages that are important to you out of the gate. One thing that I've found from talking to other SEO gurus, and I would love to get your take on that as well, is in, is when you have so many pages, focus on the category pages because the yeah. category pages will rank because Google will always crawl those pages first and yeah. forget about all the individual pages because those might not even never get seen. What are yeah. your thoughts on, on that as a, as a tip? Yeah, I would agree. I guess it depends define it right like every marketplace is different um automotive market is special because catalog pages what you're talking about is like high search result pages um right yes what we call vehicle detail pages are the individual vehicles that are being sold the the issue is vehicles get sold quickly right let's use a different example let's say your best buy or a, or a, a shopping marketplace right yeah you you want those specific detailed product pages to index on Google because you might be selling that product for two years and it, and you're just yeah. Re, yeah. restocking that exact product into a cart. So like it matters, you'd want that page to index well. So someone could find that specific item that on the catalog for us, we right. actually don't want Google to index our specific vehicle pages because they'll no. just, we are just redirecting that traffic back to main search because they're by the time Google indexes right. it, the car sold, it's not there. The page doesn't exist. And then we're using like technology, SEO technology mm. to, to find the best way to route that traffic. So we prefer not. So yeah, we focus a lot on catalog, but even within catalog, 
it's about speed, right? It's, it's all, all it comes down to is speed. So compromise, right? Do you want to show, do you want your site to load fast or do you want to put on, you know, Video content. 400 widgets that like right. provide right. better value to your customers. So like, you know, finding that balancing act when you're pushing a lot of data, in our case, we push a lot of data to the front end um, through our search results. That's a better consumer experience because they're able to access everything at their fingertips related to that vehicle without going in a page depth, right? We love that. Yeah. We love that as like a value for our customers, but there's a compromise there with, with speed. So it's just this continuous balancing act. Um, and how you do, how you build better is, is you increase your technology, right? Like you yeah. really have to focus on like the hyper precise technologies that um, make those incremental changes. Um, so yeah. when you get it, like, I guess, I, you know, I got away from your question a little bit, but when we were talking about SEO, you know, on large platform, a lot of it comes into technical SEO. A lot of it for is sure. like working on those minute changes. Yeah. Well, so, sorry, Brett, two SEO guys, we can nerd out about uh, SEO for like hours. What does SEO mean? <laughs> sounds important <laughs> just a small part okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so you got pr you got seo as consumer marketing channels you got outbound and then social media what are the main social media channels for you guys yeah like I, what we focus on a lot is you know kind of the big four in canada um you know we do instagram we do linkedin we do facebook right we're doing tiktok um you know TikTok. Again, TikTok. Yeah. TikTok's kind of a, a wild one for automotive. Um, so it's, yeah, we're just, you know, you got to have a different approach for each one of those channels. Different, different demographics are, are, you know, using different. All right. Talk to me, talk to me about Instagram, okay. uh, LinkedIn versus like what kind of content do you have to make for each platform? Well, yeah, like that, those are kind of relatively easy. I mean, LinkedIn is, you know, business, business to business, primarily or people job hunting or, or talking about the professional career. So right. you want to be more focused on like really benefit a product for the business consumer or what you're doing to make an impact. Um, Instagram is, you know, geared more towards the recreational consumer, um, more leading towards female audience. So you want to be a, a, you know, you want to hit it more from the heartstrings. If you're talking about your core benefits, like one of our products is a, is Keys for Trees, which is a charitable give back um, for signups on our platform. We plant trees here in Canada um, for user engagement. So we really promote that product on Instagram because that that's going to resonate with that target audience more. Um, when we're pushing to LinkedIn, we would push more of like a, a demo um, advertisement mm -hmm. of dealer benefit through the dealer portal as an example. That would right. be more of a commercial style application um, for LinkedIn. So yeah, story, different types of storytelling and all of that has to be. What about TikTok? What, what do you find works for TikTok? Just silly, just do stupid, something silly. fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, man. Just got to be stupid. We keep it pretty light. We did what was a fun one. The, the, the marketing team would make some blend, some ridiculous blend of hot sauce and food and <laughs> ice cream sandwiches. And I'd have to guess. I'll join. Things. I'll join the next one. Yeah, I was going to say, it's right up your alley. You'd love it. Yeah, right so, up my alley. We keep it fun. We keep it light. There's some marketing potential, especially what Brent was just mentioning in, in things like our Keys for Trees campaign. We're partnered with One Tree Planted um, and we're, you know, we're 
focused on gamifying our site in a rewards-based mm. uh, way to yeah. allow people to gain rewards and, and plant trees in different jurisdictions across Canada and then onward from there. So things that people really, you know, care about uh, moving forward. And I think that stuff tends to has to hit hard with our target yeah. audience, which is TikTok is like live storytelling, really. Like the better, the more people you can get engaging with on TikTok, you're going to have, you know, better viewership there. So anytime you can humanize it with TikTok, that means more. Um, that's, that's kind of like the best. If I was going to go high level, I would just say that like TikTok, you're shooting first person stuff. LinkedIn, it's more like behind the camera sort of stuff, right? Like you're, you're always yeah. showing product, you're showing like, you know, you're speaking to what's happening in the industry. Um, and then TikTok, it's got to be personal. It's got to be human. And why a good example would be interviewing someone on the street about like what they didn't like about their car ownership experience previously. Right. That would do well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. It's frozen. Well, got one more question for you guys. What, what's your, uh, what, what's the cost? What's the cost of acquisition for one of your... <laughs> You are you. It could be as Let's do a hot sauce. Hey. Cheers. All right. I got the hotter one. Okay, hold on. It's going to be rough. All right. All right. Cheers, Simon. Thank you. Okay. Ooh. Before we end off. Yeah. Tell us what's what to expect from Hey Auto in the next, say, 6 to 12 months. What's What are the next milestones? What are the next... Kind massive, of big things rolling out. Massive partnerships, massive partnerships underway, um, and then expansion uh, likely uh, out of here at home in Canada with our entire ecosystem offering. So mm -hmm. um, we're looking to partner wow. with uh, some really great companies that we're currently under NDA with, everything from finance to other things um, <laughs> uh, through Glovebox to provide a tremendous amount of value for consumers to live there and for dealers to be able to engage with them. Yeah, you'll be okay. seeing a lot of us um, on socials. You'll be seeing a lot of us in on the news, lots of ads, um, you know, lots of public visibility. So, you know, Hey Auto is uh, about to, to reach, reach out. So, yeah, we can't awesome. wait to see what the awesome. next year Hopefully we get a, a lot of uh, view, views from, from this episode. We did a total of four shots of hot hey. sauce. So. It's not so bad. Hey, ho yeah, not too bad. But uh Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to, to join the, the podcast and uh, really excited to catch up in the new year and see where you guys are at then. Maybe by then you guys will be well into the, you know, maybe even millions of cars on your platform. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I like it. The awesome. M, the Thank big you. M. That's All it. Right. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Thanks for having Cheers. me. Cheers.